hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance, and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. All right, glad you're with us. Happy Tuesday. And write down our toll-free number. We'd love to hear from you throughout the program today. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Two big stories we're uh, really focused on today and a lot of small ones. Uh, One, obviously, is the borders, the caravans and all the happenings there. Also, the breaking news story, special counsel Robert Mueller's office saying that Paul Manafort broke his cooperation deal by lying. I'll get to this in a moment. Um, It probably was just the opposite. He probably wasn't willing to lie. He wasn't willing to say that which they probably were feeding him to say that would have greatly benefited himself. And the same with Jerome Corsi and Jerome Corsi say, I'm not going to sign something admitting to a perjury that I did not commit and saying very publicly that he's not going to agree to a plea deal. And I'm watching the, the media coverage of this and I'm thinking they, they got it wrong as usual again. Never mind the corrupt nature of the entire investigation. Never mind that there's no, you know, due process or uh, equal application of our laws in this country. Because that's if we did have that and we really wanted to get to the bottom of Russia collusion, then we would be investigating fully everything that happened that allowed Hillary Clinton who committed the single greatest slam dunk obstruction of justice case ever. How did she get away with it? How was that investigation rigged? How was there an exoneration written in early May of 2016 when they didn't interview her or 17 other witnesses till July of 2016? 
And then three days after, James Comey comes out, lays out this uh, for 13 minutes, everything that she legally did wrong, but no prosecutor would ever prosecute. Therefore, it's good. It's done. We're, we're moving on. That had been written months earlier. And then words were changed to, to get around what the actual text of the law said. Gross negligence, you know, extreme carelessness as one example. And then immediately the witch hunt begins into Trump-Russia collusion. And then, of course, the fall of uh, from grace, all the people that have resigned, demoted, fired, FBI, DOJ, and so much yet still to discover. Remember, we never got those FISA memo applications, specifically the last one, pages 10 through 12, 17 to 34. A lot of people are asking me, Hannity, why are they not coming out? I think I have a pretty good guess now why. I think with all the threats and all that's going to happen in the next two years with the Democrats, I think it's being held back on purpose. I think probably the president and his attorneys have made a strategic decision that they are absolutely not going to give away what will be their best hand anytime soon. And, and maybe that's the right decision. Do I think it exists? I know it exists. Talk to enough people that say, this is it. This is where it all comes tumbling down. And I would expect the worst from Mueller also. But I'm not sure it's going to mean a lot at the end of the day. Because you're also going to get a Giuliani report. And the Giuliani report is going to tear up every myth and every lie and every insinuation of the Mueller report. And so it's, and whether or not we even see the Mueller report. That will be decided by at least the temporary A.G. Whitaker. He, I, he now is in charge over Rod Rosenstein, and the left hates it. They want him out. Why? Because he has agreed and said publicly that the mandate has gone, it's gone way beyond what the original mandate was. You can't have a special counsel with such broad, sweeping powers that we can now delve deep into somebody's bank loan from 18 years ago that had nothing to do with Russia. For the purpose of squeezing them to get them to sing or compose so that you can get the ultimate target, which is Donald Trump, which is what this has been about all, you know, all these many years. I've Look, I identified from the beginning five forces that this president has against him. One, the Democrats, obviously. You're going to see this on a level you can't even imagine when they take office in January. They are there will be nothing done for the American people. They will be exposed as having one goal and one goal only. And that is the continued delegitimization of the president. But ultimately, it's the destruction of the president. And by any means necessary and the ty- and where they go, they will. I am telling you, they're going to misinterpret these midterm election results. And nobody in the media, you know, they don't really talk a lot about the election. Because if you're assuming Mississippi goes red tonight for a second, that means that the president, by going to Tennessee to help Marsha Blackburn, Georgia to help the Governor Kemp, Florida to help Governor DeSantis elect and Rick Scott Senator elect, um, Missouri to, to help Josh Hawley Senator elect over Clamor Caskill, Joe Donnelly being defeated by Braun in Indiana, Heidi Heitkamp losing her seat, the president... He can't campaign for 435 members of Congress, but he did strategically target, aimed, and fought for 
the Republicans keeping the U.S. Senate, which many predicted in a blue wave was never going to happen. And maybe when you look at history, you begin to realize it's pretty common. And I was honest with you in the lead up to the election. I didn't think we'd hold the House. I didn't. I just didn't. But I also think fear is a great motivator. I always want to play as if I'm down. I always want to assume we're behind. I'm even telling people in Mississippi today, assume your vote is going to make the difference. You, got, you can't just want government to, to be better and sit home. You've got to participate. And we need people in Mississippi to understand the urgency. It is a big difference when it comes to confirming Supreme Court justices and confirming cabinet officials if it's 53-47. And that's why we need this seat today to be held by the Republican. Hyde Smith, who's running against Mike Espy, is as corrupt as they come, and a Schumer Democrat. And I don't think the people of Mississippi would ever elect Chuck Schumer, but that's basically what you're electing, like Democrats from most red states that, that get in. So the president, I think, was very strategic on, on all these fronts. But you have these forces. You have the Democrats against the president. You've got the media every second, every minute, every hour, every day, 24-7, hating the president. Basically, the willing accomplices of all things Democratic Party. They are the press office of the Democratic Party. They wake up and they need a fix every day. Their fix is to hate Donald Trump as much as they can. And spew and just to take it as far as they can every day. And it's going to get worse. But they're going to misinterpret the election results because while Trump gained two extra seats in the Senate uh, and lost 38 House seats, well, let's compare that to Obama losing six Senate seats and 63 House seats. Whoops, the total is 69. Trump's, you know, minus 69. Bill Clinton, minus 60, eight Senate seats he lost, 52 House seats he lost. And then Trump gains Senate seats and loses far less in his first midterm election. You would think somebody in the media might say that's not a blue wave. That's a ripple. That's that's holding the Senate was historic for this president. And he went out and he worked hard for it. I've never seen a president work this hard, nor is willing to put everything on the line as well. On every topic, I don't like his style. I don't like his style. Okay, but when he's fighting the European Union for better tax deals and trade deals, you want him to fight hard. Same when he's fighting for better trade deals with Mexico and Canada, you want him to fight hard. With the migrant caravan situation, you want him pressuring Mexico and saying, do your job. And if people are seeking asylum, they were offered it in Mexico. And... You know, everyone making a big deal about what the president's doing. What I'm saying here is, is they are going to misinterpret these elections. They are going to go so overboard in terms of their hate, their their aggressive destroy Trump tactics. It's going to become very apparent very quickly what they're not doing, who they're not there governing for. The agenda that they really have is a power play agenda for them not serving the american people that therein will lie their downfall and we have a lot of things in store for you when they take power next january that i can't reveal now because there's so many copycats on radio that don't have any brains and don't think on their own and they will try and steal our ideas their own and claim it as their own
That's just a fact. Oh, but we're, we've, we've got this covered, as we always do. And we've got, we're taking it to a whole new level. We will not disappoint you. I promise. We will, I'm actually excited about it. It's going to be entertainment, yet serious at the same time. And we'll have every aspect of it covered for you. So anyway, the president lashing out. We have a lot of news as it relates to the deep state. The president lashing out at a conflicted prosecutor gone rogue. We've chronicled all of this. You know, Mueller and his merry band of Democratic donors. Andrew Weissman is his pit bull, as the New York Times called him. Anyway, so he makes the point that Paul Manafort violated the plea agreement by lying to federal prosecutors in a series of tweets. Now, the interesting thing is, is that Manafort's people are saying, no, that's not true at all. We didn't lie at all. And I'm dying to get their side of the story because here's what my prediction is going to be, is they wouldn't lie. It's the opposite. Because part of a plea agreement, and this happens all the time, part of a plea agreement is you tell us, this and they'll tell you what what they want you to tell them and the idea that Manafort just said no I'm not going to do that I'm sorry it's not true is why they're saying he's not telling the truth and I could tell you Jerome Corsi is basically saying the same thing because Mueller's offering him a plea deal that he admits to one lying to the either the, the a grand jury or the special counsel or the FBI or whatever. Well, by the way, why would anyone ever talk to anybody now? All you have to say is talk to my lawyer, talk to my lawyer and don't say a word, because if you try to help even the FBI, which every American would naturally want to do, who loves the FBI and law enforcement like I do. Well, apparently you're just putting yourself in legal jeopardy if you don't remember something perfect. I can't tell you who was on my TV show last night. You're going to ask me what happened in 2016? Forget it. It's not going to happen. Do you send this email? Oh, I don't have no idea. How does anyone recall that? So um, what I think is, now here's the giveaway. If Corsi and Manafort told them what they wanted to hear, they would be benefiting themselves dramatically. As a result of them not doing it, they're both older guys. They're risking dying in jail, both of them. So what is it that violated their conscience to the degree that they now know this might be a death sentence in jail for them, but they refuse to go along with it? That is what, and these things happen all the time. Prosecutors do this all the time. They tell you the story they want you to say. You either say it and save your own ass or you and lie or you don't say it and they put you in jail because they've got bigger fish to fry. And I'm guaranteeing that that's what's happened in both cases. I know these people. I know how they work. I've read License to Lie. I know all about um, all about the minions of Mueller, the pit bill Weissman and the rest of them going to be fascinating when all this comes out and by the way if they really cared about russia collusion wouldn't they have wouldn't they have dealt with that as it relates to hillary just like if they cared about sexual assault harassment issues wouldn't they have been saying that they believe keith ellison's girlfriend they believe paula kathleen juanita with clinton 
Wouldn't they have believed it with Avenatti? By the way, I don't, I don't, you know, I have to go get facts myself. Hey, let me tell you something about smoking. Guess what? It's not about politics. It's about people. Now, there are about 38 million Americans that smoke, and I want to tell you about my experience switching to Juul. I used to smoke cigars. I smoked them regularly. I even inhaled them at times. Not good. Everyone in my family growing up, they all smoked. And now that I've made the switch to Juul, guess what? I have found the best alternative ever. Now, Juul is designed with smokers in mind in terms of its form, technology. It's simple to use, no buttons, no switches. It is the satisfying alternative now for one in eight American adults who like nicotine, like me. Now, to discover the smoking alternative that's nothing like any e-cig or vape you've ever tried, just go to Juul.com slash Switch America. That's J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. And learn more information at JUUL.com slash Switch America. I had a statement released on this uh, charge that Manafort held secret talks with uh, Julian Assange. Paul Manafort now echoing what WikiLeaks had put out. WikiLeaks offered to bet The Guardian a million dollars. And kind of the head of the editor or something to that effect. Uh, Manafort says this story is totally false and deliberately libelous. I've never met Julian Assange or anyone connected to him. I've never been contacted by anyone connected to WikiLeaks, either directly or indirectly. I've never reached out to Assange or WikiLeaks on any matter. We are considering all legal options against The Guardian, who proceeded with the story after being notified by my representatives that it was false. Now, on top of that, it's interesting The Guardian now feeling the heat after WikiLeaks first denied it because the... They're now qualifying the report based, quote, on anonymous sources was originally entitled Manafort held secret talks with Assange in Ecuadorian embassy. Well, remember, I went down there in 2017. Linda, were you on that trip? Yeah, I don't know. She's not paying attention. Were you on the were you with us when we went to England for the Assange trip? I was not. You did not. But I organized the entire thing. So thank you for remembering me. Okay, well, putting on this, you didn't have to travel 20 hours um, in one day there and back. Anyway, within night, there were, by the way, there's a million people. That place is staked out like you've never seen. Everybody, you're not going to get in and out of there without people seeing you. Anyway, within 90 minutes, the Guardian had to change their headline. And then sources say, and the original pos- uh, report presented as factual information, that was then edited to deflect responsibility to anonymous sources. You know, why Manafort sought, sought out Assange in 2013 why Manafort might have sought out. I think they got a lawsuit on their hands. That's what I would say. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk about the election tomorrow, the latest in the caravan, and much more. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. All right, David Schoen, Greg Jarrett, they're going to weigh in on... By the way, Corsi has written a book claiming that he had some type of joint defense agreement with the Trump team. I've not been able to confirm that at all, Uh, something I haven't heard, but... He has been saying that he was offered a Mueller deal to plead guilty to one count of perjury. He said, I'm not going to plead guilty to something that's a lie. And then you got all of these developments as it relates to Paul Manafort. Um, One, that he held secret talks with Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. I can tell you from the time I was in England interviewing him at the Ecuadorian embassy. um, I believe it was January of 2017. that You don't get in there without a million people watching you. And it was actually pointed out to me. 
And the thing that's so shocking, I guess he's been in there, what, seven years now? Seven years. Now, here's the interesting part. Didn't the New York Times also publish the WikiLeaks findings? Didn't we have a Pentagon paper case as well? You know, this is, you know, for for those suggesting they're going to bring Assange back here, I've always wanted this question answered. He is one person that knows. Now, when I interviewed him, he was very clear. He did not get whatever information he had about the DNC. When did that? Uh, our source is not the Russian government. So, in other words, let me be clear. Russia did not give you the Podesta documents or anything from the DNC. That's correct. And he went on in detail to say it wasn't Russia, it wasn't a state party. And he further went on. Now, was it a Russian cutout, meaning somebody not associated with? I don't know. I have no way of knowing or verifying that. I know that Intel people are convinced that it was Russia because they've told me. I've asked their opinions. But there's no way I could possibly know. I can only tell you what he has. But he did put it up. Then it was also reprinted by the Times and by other newspapers. Are they as liable as him? And what's the charge going to be? And what about the Pentagon Papers? And what about court precedent? And what about claims that he doesn't reveal sources? And, you know, I, I don't think it's... But the answer that I want is different. Because he knows where he got it from, and I assume that there's some type of, well, electronic trail of obtaining that information. Unless I guess it was handed to him, I don't know. But there's some there was some delivery mechanism that should be able to prove or reveal where it came from. And why, if everyone wants to know the answer to that question, they haven't attempted, as far as I know, nobody's attempted to ever ask him. Now, maybe, you know, like everybody else, he'd say, okay, I want uh, immunity in exchange for information they do that these immunity deals are like you know give them out like candy you know you give information that is valuable to where they're ultimately going and you get the deal but why won't they i want that answer where did it come from now is there any doubt that we now know the russians i've been saying this forever devin nunez warned in 2014 that the Russians were going to try and wreak havoc and chaos in our elections as they had in years past. They'd done it before. They did it in 2016. Even reports they tried again in 2018, and they're going to try again in 2020. Um, You have this unsavory, you know, it is a, a hostile regime, and you got a hostile Vladimir Putin. Understood. Does that mean you don't talk to him? Does that, well, of course not. You got to talk to your enemies. You got to talk to you got to try and work out some agreements with people you don't like. I use the example of, you know, Joseph uh, Stalin and our alignment with a mass murderer in World War II to defeat another mass murderer and beat back Nazism and its advancement through, you know, march through Europe. And it was an alliance based on convenience. An enemy of my enemy is my friend in that sense for at least that period of time. And that brings up the whole issues about I I despise the Saudis. Nobody has been more outspoken about their mistreatment of women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews than me. 
fact that Hillary got a personal gain from Sharia states, Sharia countries like the Saudis that have these these absolute laws that contradict everything we stand for and they bought her silence. I don't know why that wasn't a bigger story. Anyway, um, so this election today, it's a runoff election in Mississippi, is really important. And polls now have the Republican, Hyde Smith, is Cindy Hyde-Smith leading Mike Espy by five points to ten points. But you know what? I don't take anything for granted. And while the November 6th election had Espy trailing, recent surveys, uh, you know, you know, an internal polling show Hyde-Smith is likely to gain, and I'm sure the president's appearance last night could help. I hope so. Um, one thing the president, you know, the president, think about this. He couldn't run for... All these other members of Congress, 435 of them, 44 retirements. And you have the natural headwinds that any midterm election has. And they didn't lose 69 seats and, and six Senate seats by like Obama and eight Senate seats and 52 House seats like Clinton. You know, a net loss of 38 House seats and a net gain in the Senate. And I don't know if the president wasn't involved in Florida, Georgia, these close races. I don't know if they win. I think probably they lose. I think Trump was the determining factor in those states. He certainly helped Marsha Blackburn in Tennessee. She'll be she'll admit it. Josh Hawley in Missouri, Braun in Indiana. And I don't know if Heidi Heitkamp was ever going to make it. And by the way, John Tester barely crossed the finish line. He almost got beaten. That was one I think of a little more time and effort would put in. Probably that could have gone the other way. But So if you're in Mississippi today, this is an important, important race. It makes a big difference when you're confirming a Supreme Court nominee or other judges or cabinet officials if you got a little bit more cushion. And that's what the Senate, that's what the importance of keeping the Senate. There probably is going to be more Supreme Court openings. Donald Trump, I mean, when all said and done, he gets a second term. I can't even begin to think how many. The left, they're going to go nuts. They'll go crazy. Um, Washington Times has had a piece out today. You look at all the media coverage about they're gassing children, gassing children, as people we saw over the weekend. And we have all the video, and I'll show it again, some of it again tonight. Um, look, first of all, We have to ask an important question. The president raised it. Others have raised it. If you see that there is a conflict emerging and you're a parent and you see that some people are trying to break down the wall, the barrier, and that there are other people that are look like they're fully armed on the other side. I for personally, I would get my kids out of that situation. Some parents apparently didn't do that. Anyway, but it got to the point that tear gas had to be used. Okay, not the best case scenario, but it's to disperse a crowd. That's what tear gas doesn't harm you. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. It's not good. We see it when there's conflicts in the streets in America. The interesting part is the Washington Times and Daily Caller both pointed out is, well, President Obama had tear gassed migrants, by the way, trying to rush the border. More, um, more frequently than a single episode that was reported about President Trump. This was all going back to 2013. 
And documents uncovered by the Washington Times reveal the Obama DHS used CS gas against potential migrant, quote, invaders more than four dozen times over a single two-year span. And CS gas is the same chemical agent that the Clinton administration used on the Branch Davidian compound in 1993. And you remember what happened in that, you know, episode that killed more than 90 people, mostly women and children. Washington Times says U.S. border protection used CS gas 26 times in fiscal year 2012, 27 times in 2013. Use dropped after that, but was still deployed three times in 2016, Obama's final year in office. And then the use of gas rose again in 2017. That was a split between Obama and Mr. Trump and 29 deployments in fiscal year 2018, which ended two months ago. It's about the same amount as what Clinton did. Now, what's interesting, it looks like some of the mobs, according to the San Diego Union Tribune, are actually heading home. They're starting to get the message that Trump means what he says, and they're not getting in. And then if you look at, you know, tear gas, let's see, we have the actual numbers that were used going back to 22 tear gas used once a month at the border under Obama. And it actually the Washington Times gives the exact numbers. Ninety five hundred and fifty one hundred nine thirty forty nine fifty six forty three. 540 incidents there, according to the Department of Homeland Security. By the way, uh, we now have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez standing by her comments of migrants to Holocaust victims, which Lindsey Graham took issue with. One border agent, according to the Daily Caller, says the majority of migrants are not asylum seekers. We've made a senior agent with the Border Patrol disputing claims by your fake fraud media that the majority of migrants currently trying to crash our border are asylum seekers. Rodney Scott, chief Border Patrol agent, San Diego sector, took issue with these news reports and actually said, I do not believe that is true. I believe there are definitely people in that group that are trying, that are good that are going to try to claim asylum, but the vast majority of those from what we call North, the Northern Triangle are economic migrants. He said he gave a personal account of what he witnessed take place at the U.S.-Mexico border on Sunday. What I saw at the border yesterday was not people walking up to border agents asking to claim asylum. Matter of fact, one of the groups that I watched, they passed 10 to 15 marked Border Patrol agents walking west to east, and numerous uniformed personnel as they were chanting and waving a Honduran flag and throwing rocks at our agents. If they were truly asylum seekers, they would have just walked up, hands up, surrendered. That didn't take place. If you're an asylum seeker, why are you going to throw a rock at the guys that are in the country that you want to get asylum from? Doesn't exactly sound like you know, the smartest thing to me. Um, all right, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be... Oh, and now we have one other update on this. It was 500, but now in a Facebook post defending the U.S. Customs Border Protection's handling, we have Secretary Homeland Security Secretary Nielsen, she'll be on Hannity tonight, said a significant number of those migrants were known criminals in the countries of origin. We can't confirm the backgrounds and the identities of all caravan members, 
which possess a national security, which uh, possess a national security and public safety risk to our country. However, at this point, we have confirmed there are over 600 convicted criminals traveling with the caravan flow. And that includes individuals known to law enforcement for assault, battery, drugs, crimes, burglary, rape, child abuse, and more. It's serious, Nielsen wrote. Additionally, Mexico has already arrested 100 caravan members for criminal violations in Mexico. Unbelievable. Now, what do you what should we do as a country? Now just think about this. Let's say for a minute in your mind's eye, imagine for a second that you're a border patrol agent. I'm amazed at what they do. I I've reported this problem about 12, 13 times down at the border. I should actually get the real number somewhere in there. Helicopter, boats, horseback, all-terrain vehicle, foot. Nearly fell off the horse. Would have been funny. Guy saved me. Literally raced. The horse took off on me. And, of course, being cowboy of the year, hadn't ridden a horse since I was a kid. I'm like, oh, man. And this this horse thought it was galloping to the race this time. I'm like, man, it's hard to keep your backside in the seat as that thing's bouncing like crazy. Um, anyway, I digress. But I've been there. You should see the drug warehouses. Maybe I'll pull out that video for TV tonight or the security briefing I keep telling you about. 642,000 crimes against Texans alone. Or maybe I'll show you the tunnels that have been dug from Mexico right up into an office building in San Diego that I was in. Or maybe I'll show you, you know, the times that I was there when a person was arrested, found out later it was a, it was a gang member. I have it all on tape, all of it. You know, or literally I'm interviewing Governor Perry and a family from El Salvador literally walked across the Rio Grande. Right across. While we were right there, they ended up getting arrested. But it is, it's, what are we supposed to, how do we process 15,000 people? How do we do that? Who pays for that? Why can't they just apply from their country the right way? Mexico really blew this also. All these people that say, I'm going to end the investigation, you know, they've been saying that now for how long has this witch hunt gone on? It's gone on for what? Since May of 17. Okay, but how long have I been looked at? You know when I've been looked at? Since from the July day of I 2016. From the day I announced, I was looked at as a candidate with nothing, no proof, with phony people like McCabe and Strook and his lover. You had uh, Lisa Page, his lover. These people were looking at me. They wanted an insurance policy just in case I won or Hillary lost. And this was the insurance policy. It's a scam. There was no collusion whatsoever. And the whole thing is a scam. The president has to be ready and his team has to be ready because Mueller is not going to produce a neutral report. He's not going to be fair. He's going to produce what he believes is going to be a devastating attack. He's going to put together everything. He's going to use information from Manafort and others without necessarily disclosing that they're liars. Uh, And so the president's team has to be ready. And that's why I've suggested that the president's team demand that on the day that the Mueller report is released, that their report is released as well, that the public gets a chance to see both reports. Mueller is a smart guy. He has very smart prosecutors. They're going to put together every bit of evidence and create a mosaic which points to the White House, the Oval Office, the president. And if it's not responded to, it could be devastating. That's my point. Mueller is not going to produce a balanced, fair report. Right. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. 800-848-9222. 
800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, there's the president on the witch hunt that continues. And, yeah, we have the news. Paul Manafort, uh, did he hold secret talks with Julian Assange in WikiLeaks? WikiLeaks wants a million-dollar bet with The Guardian and the editor's head uh, because they say it never happened. They were talking about the years 2012, 15, and 16. Um, CNN met with Ecuadorian president. Uh, is there any evidence of this? Why would there be such a strong denial by WikiLeaks and a million-dollar bet offer if, in fact, they're saying it didn't happen? But the other big news is you have both Paul Manafort and Jerome Corsi both saying they're not going to talk to Mueller. And what's interesting, in both cases, what you have is are these cooperation agreements and you sit with prosecutors and basically if you tell them what they want to hear, you tell them what the narrative they think happened. If you do that, probably in the case of both of them, that means very little time in jail, if any. And by saying that Paul Manafort didn't abide by the agreement with the special counsel, well, that could be a life sentence for him because he's, what, 70 years old. So, you know, he's risking and basically willing to roll the dice that he could die in jail because he doesn't want to sign a document that he feels is not true or buy into a narrative that he finds is false. Pretty amazing as this now moves forward. Uh, Joining us now, Greg Jarrett, and he is a Fox News analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax. David uh, Schoen is with us, civil liberties uh, attorney, criminal rights, criminal defense attorney. Uh, Greg, let me start with you. The one thing that I think is very hard, because this happens all the time, and that is prosecutors say, well, if you tell us this and you tell us this and you tell us this, okay, and sign on to it, we're going to go to bat for you and you're not going to spend that much time in jail. Isn't that bribery? Sounds like it. Isn't it suborning perjury? And if you and I did this, or David, we would be immediately prosecuted and convicted. It's extortion. It's bribery. It's using tactics of coercion and threats and temptation, a quid pro quo. It's called testaline, and it happens all too often. Mueller and his team of partisans, Andrew Weissman especially, are not interested in the truth. They're interested in trashing Trump, gaining convictions uh, at any cost. And one of the one of the things that it appears that they're trying to do is get Jerome Corsi to lie Uh, It appears that they're trying to do the same thing to Paul Manafort and neither one of them would have anything to do with it. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're right. I mean, they're looking at the rest of their lives behind bars. Well, Manafort is certainly looking at the rest of his life behind bars. So it would be very tempting. And all too often, people who are defendants in cases who test a lie are tempted by shaving off years off a prison term and and who wouldn't be tempted by that. So it takes incredible fortitude to say, no, I'm not going to lie and I'll do the time. You know, David, let's get your take on that, especially in light of both of them doing it at the same time and the cooperation agreement that we, you know, just basically blew up. I mean, that that pretty much means if they're saying that Paul Manafort lied, that they want to go after this guy even more. I agree with everything Greg said. I agree with everything you've said. 
Uh, and this happens every day, unfortunately. Listen, thank goodness that Corsi is standing up to them. I had a fellow come to me just a couple of months ago, a hedge fund fellow, who had a case that Weissman started before he left Maine Justice. This man said that he was willing to take 10 years rather than to tell the lies that Weissman and his team wanted him to tell. I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone willing to take the 10 years, but he said they wanted me to lie against people I worked with and say that they did things they did not do, and I couldn't live with myself if I did that. So we're going to learn what Mueller is accusing Manafort of lying about, and then the story breaks in the New York Times about Manafort potentially holding secret talks with Julian Assange. Um, the Guardian. The Guardian is, yeah, who published it. Right. WikiLeaks is saying, we'll bet you a million dollars it didn't happen. Now, that gives everybody, I think, <clears throat> pause, right? Right. But I've always thought that Assange, and I've interviewed him, one of the few people that actually have, and I've always thought, as it relates to whatever documents were released or whatever, and, you know, my memory serves me right, that that in his case, he would be the one person that had the answer. Sure. Where did he get the information from now? When I interviewed him, he was clear. I didn't get it from Russia. I didn't get it from any state party. And that was all of the details. Could it be a cutout from Russia? I guess so. Right. But I think he was saying, no, um, I don't have it. I don't have any way of verifying what he says. Um, But I also I would believe that he had the evidence and can prove where he got it from. Oh, absolutely. That would would answer a lot of questions. Sure. So if you're Robert Mueller, isn't Julian Assange one of the first people you want to interview if you truly think that the Trump campaign somehow was involved in the hacking of the DNC and John Podesta and, and, you know, the Hillary Clinton campaign, which has always been an absurd proposition. Uh, You know, the Trump campaign was was running on the fly. I mean, it, it was the definition of disorganization. It was all centered around Donald Trump basically going from venue to venue, huge crowds, rally, getting free publicity, free TV airtime, and and it was the most populous campaign you ever saw. It you know it was not calculating and manipulative. It was out front with the people. They, they I mean, they couldn't conspire to order lunch. And you talk to anybody who was in on that campaign. And they'll, they'll laugh and say, we weren't colluding or conspiring or coordinating with ourselves, much less Russia. So if we look at what David, uh, Paul Manafort's attorneys are saying here, that Mr. Manafort believes he provided the truthful information. He doesn't agree with the government or Mueller's characterization that he had breached the agreement. And, you know, then we have General Flynn. Well, now we know that. Neither FBI agent, including Peter Strzok, that interviewed him and and James Comey, then FBI director, didn't believe that in any way he was being dishonest, General Flynn, to the FBI when he was being questioned. Now, he starts running out of money. He can't afford attorneys. He's probably being threatened. Well, we're going to go after your son or whatever else they might have threatened in his case because his son worked with him. uh, But we'll let you sign off on this lying to the FBI charge and you can go sell your house, pay your attorneys, and it's not going to bleed your drive for the rest of your life. And to me, it sounds like he did it to, to put an end to it and probably to protect his family. Because right, yeah, and, right. and, and prosecutors do that all the time. Absolutely. I mean, Greg said it before. 
Uh, very few people can withstand that pressure. And it's not just the pressure to themselves. In some of these cases, it's the pressure uh, standing up for family members who did absolutely nothing wrong. But listen, we have a double whammy here. Under the special counsel uh, regulation, 600.4, Mueller and his team get to decide if any person has interfered or obstructed, interfered with or obstructed their investigation, in their opinion of someone lied. And now with a plea agreement, which is particularly onerous, they unilaterally get to decide whether Manafort was truthful or lied to them. And if his narrative doesn't fit theirs, as you pointed out at the beginning of this segment, um, then he's what they call a liar. Listen, it happens all the time. In the Eastern District of New York, where Weissman and Andres members of the Mueller's team come from, and they deep-sixed a witness, a guy named Gaspite Castle, because he told them things that Sammy the Bull Gravano was saying against Gotti and others simply weren't true. They couldn't have happened. So they threw him out of the program and put him in the max uh, in Colorado. And they've done that time and time again. They decide who's telling the truth. They decide who's lying and has to fit their narrative. And with this plea agreement, it's really under. <laughs> I wish the lawyers would make more supportive statements than that Mr. Manafort believes he provided the truth. They should be all over this. They, hopefully, they would every debriefing session, took notes, and they're going to be able to show um, and stand up for Manafort that he did tell the truth. Let me go back to Alan Dershowitz's comments for a minute, Greg Jarrett, and, and he said, well, the report itself may be devastating. I, I think they are well. going to create a document that is going to be literally filled with the most innuendo, no allegations. There, I don't think there'll be any sealed indictments post a Trump presidency, as right. some have you know, speculated. And they are basically going to hand it to Congress and say, here, here's your roadmap. Go have fun with it. Yeah, uh, it's tricky because under the federal regulations governing the special counsel, uh, he is to prepare a report and give it to the uh, attorney general. And the acting attorney general, is it now Whitaker or is it, it still Rod Rosenstein? No, it's Matthew Whitaker, and, and unless and until a federal judge gets it wrong and says otherwise. <clears throat> the president is legally uh, allowed to appoint uh, Matthew Whitaker. There's no question about that. David would agree with this. And should he have recused because he had public comments no, about Mueller? No, of course Mueller? not. No, if you look at the recusal regulations, it doesn't say anything about that. So um, the report goes to whoever is the attorney general at the time. If there's a new attorney general appointed uh, by the president and confirmed by Congress, uh, by the Senate, then uh, it'll be up to that AG to, to decide. And, and if there is no evidence or findings of fact of a crime in there, there is no obligation to even release the report to Congress or anybody else. In other words, there's no obligation to ever release it. That's right. Now, if the Democrats in Congress want to get it out anyway, are they going to be able to get it yeah, out they'll anyway? Yeah, they'll call Mueller uh, to testify. And, and they'll ask it, it and that's how they'll get it out. All right, got to take a break. More with David Schoen, more with Greg Jarrett, 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. The fascinating thing here is in both cases, Corsi and Manafort, they could have gotten off easy. And then all they had to do is say, okay, I'll say whatever you want me to say. And apparently they were not willing to do it, um, which makes you wonder, what did they want them to say? All right, as we continue with Greg Jarrett, David Schoen, uh, and the big story, uh, Manafort, did he hold secret talks with Julian Assange? Uh, WikiLeaks has is offering The Guardian, which printed this a million-dollar bet. Um, I've always thought, if you want the answer, where did the emails come from? Now, the amazing thing about Assange is when he was 16, he hacked into the DOD and NASA. Right. All right. You have to have a lot of computer sense to be able to do that. What bothers me is we've never 
ever created cyber defense for our nation's secrets. At some point, it becomes our mistake as a country, and we've never made it a priority. But putting that aside, he would be the one guy that we know has the answers where this all came from, wouldn't he? He would. And and well, Mueller, why, why don't they ever ask him? Mueller and his team of, of partisans should have flown over to the to London and the Ecuadorian embassy and sought an interview with him. Now, I'm I'm skeptical that Assange would ever have told him who did it, but he might have excluded certain individuals or groups or nations like Russia to the satisfaction well, maybe, of Mueller. Maybe he would have done it, just like they're making deals with everybody else. Maybe he would have done it in exchange for this or that. Yeah, well, that assumes that Mueller would have the authority to negotiate that, and and he wouldn't, but... But he could bring the Department of Justice in on it. Absolutely right? he could. Sure. David, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree with all of that again. I think you should have Assange on the show again, frankly. But I, I want to just back up one step. Very important what you were discussing just a bit earlier about this final report by Mueller. It must be, remain confidential. That's in 600.8 of the regulations. We know let's that's never going to happen, is it? That's right. Exactly. Let's see how that works out. Um, and that's the attorney general to keep it confidential. There's specific provision in here that all sanctions that the Department of Justice holds for those who leak apply in this case if anybody yeah. else makes okay. the decision. Yeah, that's, so that's really going to happen. Look at how they treated Hillary Clinton. That's not exactly. going to happen. Exactly. By the way, don't forget Papadopoulos from your discussion. Yeah, you're right. People have had the screws turned to them. Um, he's in a pretty tough situation now, and he said for quite a long time that he, too, was forced to say things that simply weren't true. Well, I can't wait to talk to him. I, I thought it was wise for him to take the two weeks I, because two weeks, you know, anyone can suck it up for two weeks. Uh, not that it's easy, but if he was going to risk his plea agreement, I think that would have been a bad idea for him my, personally. All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll have more on this tonight on Hannity. Thank you both for being with us. We really appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Our friend Eric Bowling stops by uh, to talk about his town hall at Liberty University with the First Lady and uh, Secretary Nielsen. Um, also, an amazing story we're going to get to in the next hour, but we'll get to your calls next. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, so much news to get to. A really interesting story about two businessmen that were once Clinton supporters. Now they're Trump supporters, and they go in a different direction. And what has happened to their lives? They've been threatened. They've been attacked. Uh, attacked. They've lost friends. And it's like, is that really where this needs to go? You, just because somebody disagrees with you politically? Um, anyway, um, let's go to the phones. Let's say hi to Vic is in Jacksonville in Florida. W-O-K-V. What's up, Vic? How are you? Ponte Vedra, beautiful area of the country. What's going on? Hello, Sean. Well, I just had a question. I I really feel like uh, once they once Trump does appoint a new uh, AG, I really believe that they will put a a new uh, special prosecutor on. And I would like to know if you think we're going to see a point where they will bring Robert Mueller before Congress and make him testify under oath as to why he ignored all this leftist corruption. And if he was coerced by anybody on Hillary's side or the Trump or the, the former Obama administration to ignore all of that. Listen, I got to be honest, it's the biggest corruption, abuse of power, double standard, um, 
we're not applying the laws equally. There's no equal application of laws, equal justice under the law. There is a fundamental truth that has emerged here is that they only cared about Russian interference, Russian collusion, if it impacted Donald Trump. They have all the evidence we have spent, you know, now going on two years of our lives in this program, unpeeling an onion, and what we've learned is not pretty, about deep state operatives, that from the beginning, the fix was in, the investigation rigged, Hillary Clinton, email, server, classified, top secret, special access programming information, an exoneration written in early May of 2016. She's not interviewed, 17 others not interviewed till 4th of July weekend of 2016, but they had already written the exoneration. And then three days later, she's exonerated after James Comey lays out the perfect case to prosecute and indict her. And that's how corrupt. And immediately thereafter, the same people that we now know hate Tr- Donald Trump, that believe that Hillary should win 100 million to one. You know, one in particular agent talking about smelly Walmart Trump voters. You know, they then immediately go to this phony narrative. The basis of all of it is the Clinton bought and paid for Russian dossier, Russian dossier full of lies that even its own author won't stand behind and say is true. And when pressed, said, I don't know, it's raw intelligence, maybe 50-50. But that didn't stop top agents in our in our intelligence community from leaking that information to impact the American voter in the lead up to the 2016 vote. That didn't stop a group of rogue agents from signing FISA warrants that were never corroborated, never verified the bulk of information coming from the Hillary bought and paid for dossier. And of course, they never told the FISA court judges as they were committing fraud against the court four separate times that Hillary had paid for it. And then they used circular reporting and a media leak strategy, all part of an insurance policy to literally force the appointment. And then that with the help of Comey leaking his information, which is, I believe, a crime um, so that they can get the special counsel. And now we're coming to the point they didn't find Trump Russia collusion. So what they're trying to do is is, you know, they've gotten everybody on bad bank loan applications and tax applicate tax mistakes or taxes not paid tax violations, um, but they haven't gotten collusion except a bunch of Russians that we're never going to put under oath anyway. Maybe some of these bot companies, but that'll have to probably be withdrawn because Mueller doesn't even want to share the information that is mandated by law with with the very Russians he's indicted. So, you know, the whole thing, if they cared about Russian collusion, they cared about Russian influence, they would have had a dual investigation, which they did not. And it proves my point. It's just like with sexual harassment or the allegations against Kavanaugh. Okay, they care about the topic, but only if it's a Republican. Only if it's a Republican nominee. They ignore Keith Ellison. They love Bill Clinton. You know, so many examples of hypocrisy that that they show. And, and since then, other people, you know, Michael Avenatti, no criticism because he's on their team, their side. They cared about the issue of of sexual assault. If they really want everyone to believe they only want you to believe it's it's against somebody you disagree with politically. They don't want you to believe the allegations against Clinton or Keith Ellison or Michael Avenatti. I'm consistent because I think everyone deserves the presumption of innocence and due process. It's so fundamental to who we are. So, you know, it is a great hypocrisy. It is politics at its worst. It's why most people can't stand 
those people in in Washington because they are inconsistent. It's all about power and their power now. And you're going to see this unfold. Some of it's going to be highly entertaining because they're going to overreach. They're going to go too far. It's going to backfire. Much of it will boomerang. And but they're going to try and finish the job that they've started. And that is to totally, completely and utterly not only delegitimize Donald Trump, but destroy him and destroy any chance of him getting reelected. And it's it's going to be this is going to be history in the making here. And I would just say buckle up. It's going to be a rocky ride all next year. And in the end, I predict we're going to come out on top in the end. They're going to have their own. Now, they've taken a stand on a lot of these cases. They're now going to have their own questions that need to be answered. Trust me. Anyway, I hope that helps. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. Louie is in uh, Arizona. Louie, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey, listen, um, that was a great summary you just gave that last caller. Yes, sir. Thank but you. I called to vent my frustration with that because we all know that. We hear it almost daily. It's like Groundhog Day, listening to, listening to all the stuff that's going on in Washington, but nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing happens to Hillary. Nothing happens to Comey. So when are we going to see something happen? When, when is there going to be some consequences to the... The, well, you know, people the, are breaking the laws. Listen, I mean, if, if what I predict is gonna, is true, look, the Democrats are not going to Washington in Congress to serve we, you, the people. They're going there for revenge. They are going there with a mission. They are seeking to the destruction of this president any way they can. And the means that they will use are the power of the committee and endless investigations. You will think that the Russia investigation is beginning all over again. But again, they will expose themselves to being political and one-sided as they will not go into all of the deep state issues involving Hillary, crimes committed, obvious obstruction of justice. You know, you go ahead and try it. You get you get subpoenaed emails and you go ahead and you delete those emails. You go ahead and have somebody acid wash your hard drive with bleach pit. You go ahead and have an aide bust up your devices uh, Blackberries and, and iPhones. Good luck with that. What do you think is going to happen to you, Louie, in Arizona if you do what she did? Well, exactly. But what are the Republicans go to Washington for? Listen, I think they've the done it, all in all. I mean, I'm a little disappointed with the Republicans in Congress. What? Hugely disappointed. Yeah, I, yeah, hugely disappointed. You're right. I am very. I mean, I'm, I'm, listen, I think this president has been carrying these idiots on his back, and they have resisted. This is the this is, I would argue, a Reagan agenda. This is Reagan, Reagan originalist on the Supreme Court and lower courts. Um, These are constitutionalists he's appointing. This is a bigger tax cut than Reagan has given us. And he wants even more. This is deregulation on a level America's never seen, which is creating a, a thriving business environment where we can make sure every man woman and child that needs a job wants a job is going to not only get one but get a better job a better career a career trajectory this is controlling the borders as we you know should have done this is you know making jerusalem the the capital of israel and acknowledging it when so many others promised such and wouldn't do it this is little rocket man coming to the table this is negotiating trade deals he never wanted a trade war what he wanted was a better deal. He's gotten that with Canada, and he's gotten that you know, with with Europe and with Mexico. 
You know, this 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 guy rolls up his sleeves and he checks off his list of promises. And if Republicans would do the same thing instead of fighting over his style, that's what people don't like the most. They don't like his style. He's too combative. You know, forget the style. You know, if we got millions, four million Americans off of food stamps and four and a half million new jobs. I'll put off with a style that is aggressive as long as it's aggressively getting the job done. You have the you have the ear of some of these Republican Congress people. Why don't you tell them to stand up, stand up to the, the press? I mean, if if President Obama had done what what President Trump has done, it would have been the second coming. I mean, he's done a tremendous job in spite of the Republicans in Congress. Listen, and many in Congress listen to the show. You tell them. Yeah. I'm telling. Listen, what have I said about Republicans in the last number of years that they are weak, that they are feckless, that they are spineless, they are lacking courage, they are lacking vision? Most evidenced by their unwillingness to stand by a seven and a half year promise to repeal and replace. All of those votes that they had in the Obama years, they were all show votes. They weren't real votes because when it mattered, they weren't anywhere to be found. Sorry. You know what? That makes them a bunch of swamp creatures themselves. Look, you're going to watch the Democrats and you're going to see Republicans one by one. They're going to try and pick off this Republican. They're going to find every Jeff Flake, every John McCain critic, um, every Mitt Romney critic they can get, every John Kasich that they can find that will join with the Democrats to hurt the president. You you mark my words, that is going to happen. And at that point, they'll be empowered and think that they can impeach the president. You know, we that's may why, be headed for that. Yeah, well, no. Let's, I think that- yeah. Well, it's a good thing that the president saw the importance of holding the Senate. That's why Mississippi is so important today. We need to hold Mississippi tonight. And that means it's 53-47 rather than 52-48. But they're going to try and, you know, watch Mitt Romney hates Trump, absolutely hates him. And, you know, you'll see one by one those that don't like him, all the never Trumpers, they're going to come out and they're going to try and and destroy even the, the president that's doing all these conservative things that they never could get done. And that's the sad thing, because that's what's good for the country. That's what motivates me. I'm not motivated by a personality. I'm not motivated by a name. I'm motivated by what works, what solves problems, what makes the country stronger, what helps the forgotten men and women, what gets people out of poverty, off of food stamps, back in the workforce. You know, what, what puts people on the road to getting their first house and a nicer car and a family vacation and, and maybe a restaurant once a week that they don't have to worry about affording it. Let's get back to our busy uh, telephone. Shelly is in beautiful Music City, Nashville, USA. What's up, uh, Shelly? How are you? And we're glad you called. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I've just been thinking a lot about the illegal migrants in the sanctuary cities. And there's a law called the Son of Sam law that prevents any person or entity from profiting from breaking the law. So... My thinking is, could the federal government perhaps add up how much each city is making from sales tax, gas tax, income tax, property tax, everything else, and charge the city for that amount? And even if the city comes back and says, oh, but look at what they're costing us, then they have to go on record showing their own citizens how much being a sanctuary city is costing every man, woman, and child. Yeah, look, we know the number about three weeks ago. We got a study that came out. It's about 70, 
thousand dollars a year per illegal immigrant in the country. About seventy thousand. That's a lot of money when you factor in health care costs, educational costs, uh, then criminal justice costs. It's it's a ton of money. Look, there's two things that I think one of the reasons some of the reasons. Number one, I want to vet everybody. I just want to check you out. Make sure that you don't have a background. You're not a danger to anybody in America, that you just really want the opportunity. And the second thing is you've got to show that you have the means that you're going to be able to take care of yourself if we let you in, because the whole world would come here if we just open the doors, have open borders. Just you're able to take care of yourself. You respect and you love America. You want what we all take for granted. I'm, I'm absolute. I don't care where you come from. But you've got to have those two criteria got to be met to me. It's just simple, basic, fundamental common sense. Uh, we have had enough in terms of issues with the illegal immigrants and crimes and the costs associated with the, on the burden on the American taxpayer. It's too much. And we need to build the wall fast. All right. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. When we come back, you're going to meet. Uh, a New York businessman involved in politics, once a Clinton supporter. Now that he supports Trump, the backlash is ridiculously unbelievable. Straight ahead. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? (laughs) Does one of us have to come out alive? (laughs) If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the Hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. But Michelle says that, you know, when they go low, we go high. No. no. When they go low, we kick them. That's what this new Democratic Party is about. I just wanted to call you this morning. I just want to let you know, uh, just uh, when you find your face being eaten off by a leopard, uh, that will be as a result of having voted for the leopard face-eating party. Here's hoping that you'll be be happy with your uh, gold-plated, you know, so that everybody can can come up and give it a big when you die at your funeral, uh, you know, because you'll have the kind of you'll have the kind of cash to pull that off, and that's really the important thing, right, Mr. White? You miserable. All right, news roundup information overload hour. Sean Hannity show. That was a voicemail. There was a a piece the other day 
in the New York Times, how a liberal couple became two of New York's biggest Trump supporters and tells the story about how these these two people, Bill White, his husband, Brian Urey, are not red state evangelicals. They're not diehard right wingers. In fact, for years, they write they were key players among a, a court, a cohort that Mr. Trump loathes Manhattan liberal elites and Mr. Trump being an unconventional commander in chief who ran an unorthodox campaign with has unorthodox alliances. Anyway, this couple has now gone through so much like that voicemail that you just heard and attacks that you cannot believe that is chronicled in this article. And um, now I know Bill White. Uh, how did I get to know you? I don't even remember. <laughs> How are you doing, Sean? It's great to talk to you. Well, I think it was back when we were doing so much to help veterans, which you continue to do. And I can't thank you enough. And it's great to talk to you. And uh, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for our country to save our country with the president and his team. And everything that you're doing has just been inspiring to Brian and me. And uh, it's an honor to talk to you always. You know, um, and maybe uh, how did you go from being a liberal couple are you, but part of it, I'll use the term Manhattan's liberal elite, whatever that means. Um, and, right. and how did you how did you why did you make the tr- jump to Trump and now one of his biggest both of you biggest supporters? And how did that happen? And what has happened as a result of it? Yeah, it's interesting, Paul. Part of it is because we watch your show every night. And I really mean that sincerely. I, I'm a patriot. I love my country. When we elect a president. He is my president. Whoever that person is, is uh, is the person that I respect, who I, you know, know was duly elected. And we get behind that person for the success of the country. You know, my mm-hmm. main thing has been veterans all my life. And you know that, Sean, how much I care about our troops and our military and their families. And we're not doing enough for that community. So I knew Donald Trump for 30 years. You know, I went to him when the Veterans Day parade was in crisis, and he wrote me a check for a million bucks. Everybody used to say, oh, he makes promises, he doesn't follow through. That's garbage. He wrote me a check on the spot for a million dollars, save the Veterans Day Parade. When we uh, launched the Celebrity Apprentice, we did it on the flight deck of the Intrepid. President, you know, now then Donald Trump lands. Piers Morgan is there, and and, uh, the first winner uh, was Piers Morgan. He gave the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund almost $2 million. Um, and then when we built that physical rehab center that you and Don Imus, you know, remember Don and you sure. were so great with that. Uh, Donald Trump was a huge donor. So, I mean, I knew Donald for 30 years. I always liked him and respected him. He was always generous to the intrepid and our veterans causes. So, you know, he's a guy who gets things done. I always knew that. So it was an easy and it was an easy move for me because I'm a patriot and I want to support our president. I want him to be successful. And people just cannot believe that I am, you know, we are for him and we are with him leading our country. I don't even uh, know where guy, he stands on, on gay marriage. Where does he even stand on it? I honestly, well, I don't have yeah, a clue. I mean, yeah, he's, well, first of all, um, you know, his son, Don Jr., who we become very close friends with, uh, yeah. had us there. And we walked up to president. He said, hey, you two handsome guys, get over here. Give us a hug, took a picture. The, the Trump tent is pretty big. The Trump tent is inclusive. The Trump tent uh, welcomed us. You know, Mitt Romney wanted to have nothing to do with Bill White and Brian Ewer. And um, Donald Trump uh, said to that Leslie Stahl interview, the first you know interview he did right after yours, 
when he was elected was that's the law of the land and I'm not going to mess with it. And I believe him when he says that, you know, it's we don't like identity politics, but it's great that he supports us. He's been very sweet to. I think Ryan most Americans are, are like me now. And that is I, I don't I think most people were so wrapped up in our own lives. Let's be honest. I don't think people yeah. really give a flying rip about, you know, people's. Yeah you know, choices, personal life. I, it's none of our business. And, exactly. And you know what? Exactly. It, when when I was in my 20s, I was an idiot, and I had a different opinion, and I realized how <laughs> ignorant it was. I know I'm just being honest. And I don't think you are ever an idiot, Sean, but I can tell no, you. No, I was. Thing, but you know, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I will give you a lot of credit, too, because you're the former president of the, if you come to New York, you got to go see the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum in Manhattan you were you were almost single-handedly credited for bringing that back from a financial collapse, and it's so important that you did that. Uh, I remember with my dad and the Intrepid, you know, many many years ago. How many years has it been there now? So yeah, almost thirty years were coming up. Um, it's so great. Did you go there with your dad, Sean? I did. My my dad fought in the Navy in World oh, War wow. II for four years oh, in the Pacific, gosh. and you know, I was very proud of him. And uh, I just, you know, I, you look at how these ships are configured in the tiny spaces that these guys sleep in, and they're there for months and months and months. It is a real sacrifice, and for you to be able to preserve that and, and bring it back to its splendor is a huge accomplishment. Let me ask this, because you even supported you, both of Hillary's, Hillary's runs for the White House, and... You know, and then you supported Barack Obama. Now you're supporting President Trump. Where do you stand politically? Because what I like about what the president is doing, this, these are principles I've always believed in, and that is the lowest taxes possible. You want to get rid of all the bureaucracy so businesses can build and thrive and create jobs for what I call the forgotten men and women that, were, that are in poverty on food stamps that need a ladder and a hand up. Um, we've got to we got to get every Mer American in a position where they can have a good life, a nice house, a nice car, um, a Disney vacation for their kids, that sort of thing. And that's what I that's what drives me. I don't I don't think Obama's policies were successful. And I give out those statistics no. all the time. Yep. But Trump is yeah. successful. <clears throat> no, you're right. I mean, the thing that The New York Times article did not point out and where everybody seems, you know, to be critical. Uh, and I wanted to I wanted to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk today, because when I reached out to you, I really I really wanted to do this with you, Sean, because you are so um, so much of a patriot uh, and an inspiration to Brian and me. Uh, the, t the taxes being lowered, the, the job unemployment rate, how many uh, trade deals we're working on, North Korea, helping the veterans, those two things that the president has done about being able to fire employees who uh, do not belong working for veterans, the fact that they can go get a doctor's care instead of waiting online are things that, you know, we really support. Uh, the economy and GDP is phenomenal. Our taxes are lowered. I'm hiring more people at Constellations Group, my company. My husband's getting more clients because people are building and buying more insurance. And on top of it, the military's gotten a pay raise and they're being treated with respect. You know, I could give you 50 other things. You have this great uh, screenshot of all the accomplishments that the president has made, promises made, promises kept. That's why we're supporting him. Uh, Hillary Clinton's second run, I, I mean, I had to bail out because she was driven so far to the left. I didn't know Donald was running for president. If I had known that, I think my choice would have been made a long time ago. And I'm so happy that uh, I'm on the Trump train. 
Um, there's no, this isn't getting me any more business, believe me. From the calls I've gotten and the abuse I've taken, uh, I'm going to lose business. I'm going to lose income. Uh, and I'm okay with that because my country comes first, and I want to stand up for my president because I see that you do it. I can't imagine the, the hate mail that you get and the people that are mean and nasty. It's it's pretty awful what people have said to the two of us over the last 24 hours. Listen, I, I get that every day, and wow. I don't wow. I don't whine about it. I don't care about it, to be honest. It goes with the territory. There's a But, you know, for people that don't get it every day, I find that usually is very, very hard and difficult and troubling for them. And, you know, I've actually tried to reach out to people in our industry sometimes when I see they're going through it. I'm like, OK, I'm in this 30 years. Trust me. It's, <laughs> welcome to the club. You're now in. Yeah. Yes, um, but how do you how are you dealing with it? Uh, it's it's I got a tough spine. You know, I was a paramedic and I've seen some tough things in my life. I haven't been to war. So, you know, I don't ever complain about my life because I'm not getting shot at. Um, so I have so much respect for our veterans, the people, you know, you and I care about, and I'm a patriot. So I'm going to help this president get reelected. I, I said in the paper, we're going to have a fundraiser for him for his 2020 reelection to keep America great. And, uh, I'm a man of my word. So I hope we're going to raise 5 million bucks for him. It would be pretty amazing to have people of the community that, uh, you know, really has rejected me. There's a lot of people like me and Brian out there who care about our country, and we're going to bring them to the forefront and help get Donald Trump reelected because he's a great guy. He's a great father, and he loves this country. And anybody who thinks different, uh, I just See, uh, hope they'll. Come I just around. think there's. I'm not going to convince them. I, I listen. I look at, for example, how who who has created a better economic environment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, et cetera. It's been this president's policies. And, yes, and if you look demographically, it, it, you know, maybe Republicans get 10, 11 percent of the African-American vote, higher percentage of the Hispanic vote. And to me, I just think that the more we include Americans in our plans for success, the better off and Republicans just stay away from just solve problems that impact people's lives. That's all they need to do. And then get out yes. of our way. I think the American right. people right. just need the hope and opportunity and the leg up. But I, I do feel bad for you. I mean, you know, I guess you've been called. Uh, what, well, what have you been called? No, it's been pretty, uh, pretty bad. People have said that we're disgusting slimes. We've betrayed the gay and lesbian community. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild, you know. Yeah, by the way, those I, I are all my friends, my all my friends on the tolerant left. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'll compare yeah. notes with you one day. I'll tell you what they call me. So, oh gosh, Sean. Well, listen, I just want to thank you very much, and I really want to reiterate. I know you have a ton of people listening to you. They may not agree with uh, me politically, or um, you know, in terms of you know some of the things that were said about me. But I just want to let you know that you inspire us every day with what you put out there and what you fight hard to to get out in terms of the message. And we really appreciate you. We watch you every night. That's going to continue. And uh, we're big fans of Sean Hannity. And thanks for helping the president. Oh, thank he, thank he you for it. what – listen. We'll continue that. You're a patriot, and that's all it is. We're, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're a Democrat and a liberal, you're still an American. It doesn't oh, matter. You. you know, but, but boy, we, we have forgotten that part right now. And everything is so personal and it doesn't need to be this hard. It really no, doesn't need to be this personal. And people say, no. well, what about your president? I'm like, yeah, well, the same guy that is is fighting and battling 
you know, a corrupt news media and a corrupt investigation is also the same guy that's fighting for better trade deals, fighting to protect our borders, fighting to bring companies and jobs back to America, uh, fighting enemies that had been threatening the world like little rocket man and and keeping promises to allies like Israel and making Jerusalem the capital and degrading ISIS. Nobody ever gives him credit for those things. Yes, so, yes sir. You know, to me, those are, those are the big picture items, safety, security, opportunity, prosperity. That's what matters. Right. And then yeah, everyone which, else, which it, the it's up to them. Prosperity and the economy do you not like, right? Amen yeah. to that. Yeah. All right. Well, Bill White, thanks so much. John, uh, God bless you, sir. My best to uh, you and to Mr. Yuri, and uh, you guys are welcome on any time. Thank you, Sean. We love you. Have a great day. God bless America, and thank you so much for what you're doing, Sean. We're behind you. You too. God bless you. Sorry you're going through all that. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We increased funding by $6 billion to combat the opioid crisis. That's a record. Uh, We got that approved just last year, and the money is now starting to flow through the system. We declared a public health emergency and launched a nationwide public awareness campaign. We're expanding treatment and recovery support services. We're holding drug traffickers accountable for their crimes. We're really going after the traffickers. I've always said that's the biggest thing. And frankly, the punishment is getting stronger and stronger. Think about that. 134 people a day. And, you know, how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people? Now, I know that there's been new developments in terms of uh, first responders and paramedics, and they've got this new drug called Narcon that if they overdose on an opioid, especially heroin, they, they, they're able to countermeasure the overdose and, and they've been saving lives. But it doesn't solve the problem of the availability of these drugs, doesn't solve the problem of people you know, being addicted to these drugs. It doesn't even begin to touch the issue of fentanyl, which is the scariest, should be the scariest thing anybody that knows anybody that uses these drugs. You've got to understand all these drugs now are being laced with fentanyl. Three little grains of salt size grains, single grain, salt sized fentanyl, the size of a salt grain can kill a 250 pound man, three of them. And they're putting this into the drugs that they sell on the streets and people are dying. You know, um, I've been very good friends for many years with uh, my friend Eric Bowling, who's now working at CRTV all the years that he worked at Fox. And what happened to him was every single parent's greatest fear and worst nightmare. And he got a call. He got the call. And it was about his wonderful son, Chase, and how he died in an overdose. And what is amazing about Eric and what he has how he has recovered. I don't know if I'd ever make it. I've told him I've told him this. He's going to join us in a second. I don't know if I would have been able to 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 pick myself up the way he has and taken the, the single worst thing that can happen to a parent losing a child and turn it into something, a cause that he is building to protect and warn parents, the country, kids everywhere how bad and how dangerous all of this is. And he always says to me every time, um, anyone that thinks it can't happen to you, it can happen to you. And I believe him. Anyway, so Eric Bowling, the first lady, Melania Trump, um, and also uh, health, Home Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen, and we also have Health and Human Services Secretary Azar, also Diana de la Garza, mother of Demi Lovato. They are all going to Liberty University, and they're having a, a town hall fighting against opioid deaths 
And Eric Bowling uh, said it to Mediaite in an article, I'm honored to announce the First Lady, Melania Trump, and I will shine a bright light on the epidemic killing our sons, daughters, sisters, and brothers. And by the way, Linda had just recently produced a documentary on the topic. Yeah, not in vain. And Eric was a huge help with that. A big help. And is it now available for people to... Yeah, people can go out. They can see it. They can see it online. It's not in vain. And it can be found online on uh, darkwire.com. And you can Google not in vain yeah. and check it out. And by the way, it's free that you don't have to pay for it that's correct it's, yeah. it's information based. this was this was all done this was not a non-profit project totally non-profit nobody made a dime um so eric i welcome you back to the program i know you were there as part of the uh premiere of that event and uh, i saw you there and i'm watching you with absolute amazement you inspire me um your inner strength and your desire to help people it just blows me away hey sean um I wish I could say I was strong, um, as you know so well, Sean, you and I have been so close for so long that it's, it's a daily struggle to deal with it. But as you point out, if I can, if I can help one family, you know, save them from, from this nightmare and this hell that my wife and I are, are, are living through literally every day, and it's 14 or 15 months later, it still feels like it was last night. Make a long story short is we, we love our kids, we love our young people, and we don't want to see them dying this way. As you point out, 72,000 Americans died last year, most of them uh, from uh, drug overdoses, most of them from opioids. And so it's a national health, it might be the worst national health crisis in the history of the country. So the president called me the day after Eric Chase passed, and I was in no place to, to even understand what was going on. But I realized that he cared about it. And, you know, through the, the, the next few holidays, I got calls from he and Melania Trump. Well, the, a soundbite from, that you just played was from when President Trump signed the bill, the, the $6 billion opioid awareness bill. Well, Melania Trump had opened that bill signing ceremony. And I realized at that moment um, I was slated to speak here at Liberty University. I said, why don't we make it a town hall let's invite the first lady i'll be honest with you i made one phone call and they agreed to do it and it's which is just amazing um so she will come here i'm on liberty campus right now secret service is working around advanced teams are walking around these students are just so excited to see the first lady and meet and talk and ask questions for the first time ever the first lady will take questions we're going to take q a from students at liberty university so and you know sinclair has just been phenomenal they're, they're going to air this one-hour event on all their stations across the country. 190 stations are going to see this thing by the end by Sunday. So the well, point is this: well, when it's available is online, let me let me know, and yeah. I'd we'll like to tweet that out and link it. The whole thing to we'll put the whole thing up on my website to make it easier for people to find it. Whatever you want, uh, I'd like yeah, to yeah. I like as many people as possible to see it. I want to see it. Um, you 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 keep saying, don't think it can't happen to you. And by well, the way, there's, there's 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 two things, Sean. I mean, in, in two things that you. By the way, you've been amazing getting this message out. Such a great friend to help us create some awareness. You're saving lives, and Linda's saving lives with the awareness. There are two things to, to students, to kids, to young people. As young as middle school, these opioids are hitting middle schools now. It's incredible how young people are being exposed to this, how young they are. But the, the kids need to realize that my son died from an accidental opioid overdose. He thought he was, he bought a Xanax on campus that looked like a Xanax. It was stamped Xanax, but it had fentanyl in it. As you point out, just a little amount of fentanyl can kill you. And it killed him overnight. It was a sophomore at University of Colorado. So one pill can kill is a, is a line kids need to listen to and hear. And parents need to hear this. Not my kid syndrome is deadly. I can't tell you how many parents think that their kid is too smart or, or too uh, popular or too rich or too poor or too black, too white, too whatever. 
it doesn't matter. Opioids don't care. They kill indiscriminately, unbiasedly. What's so insidious, we do overprescribe medicine, and I'm not, I'm not being critical of the pharmaceutical industry because there are people that have cancer, horrible pain. I, I get it. They need strong, powerful drugs. But we're also overprescribing some of these drugs. We're not warning people of the dangers, and maybe they just save the rest of the pillbox, and the kids get in there, and they get a Vicodin, a Percocet, an Oxycontin, and I think, oh, this is cool. The next thing, they're, they're, they run out, they're buying them on the street for 80 bucks a pill, and then somebody, some genius suggests, well, you can, you know, smoke or snort heroin, and the next thing you know, they're addicted to heroin, and their odds of them coming back are, are very low. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're, that's one. There's so many, so many tentacles to this, to this disease, to this pandemic. One of them is clearly that overprescribing. People don't take the, the, the rest of the pills they put in the, in the medicine cabinet. What's a, what's a teenager going to do? Of course, they're going to, they're going to grab it and play around with it. Who knows? If they get addicted that way. There are others, doctors who are prescribing, you know, wantonly prescribing oxycotton for, for you know, some some muscle aches and pains. I mean, it's that. It's also the amount of cheap um, knockoff drugs that are on the streets. Baltimore has an issue of what's called hot batches, where literally batches of drugs are all bad, and they're killing people 10, 15, 20 at a time. They're called hot batches. I mean, there's so many a- avenues. But the good news, if, if there is a silver lining, I mean, we're certainly not turning the number down yet. It's still increasing. But the silver lining being that things like this opioid town hall and some of the others we're going to be doing is showing you doing this for me and be honest with you a couple other friends and other in cnn one at cnn one at nbc this is nonpartisan. We're getting the word out, removing the stigma of opioid overdose and opioid use and, and addicts. Remove that stigma. Let's get these people help, and let's certainly shut the door on these drug dealers, and we'll start to, to, to make a dent in this problem. The problem is nobody knows where these drugs come from. And then part of the movie that Linda, the documentary she put together, they actually follow the path. And mm-hmm. you see these people in, like, you know— I mean, these shacks in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, they're not chemists. They're not, they're just people that want a quick buck. They don't care if your kids die. They don't, all they want is the 10 bucks. And if you die, they don't give a flying rip about your kids. And, you know, what's, they're even, you know, everyone says, well, every kid has smoked pot, blah, blah, blah. Now they're putting fentanyl in pot, I'm reading. It gets even worse, Sean. There, this is a, this is a the, this is how messed up the, the, this country is. And really, by by the way, ninety percent of all the fentanyl um, consumed in the world is consumed in America. Ninety percent produced in in China, so it's going directly from China to here. But we're the biggest consumer by far of fentanyl. It's killing our kids. But here's how screwed up it's gotten. There are drug dealers who are known as dealers with good stuff. When someone dies of an overdose bought by this dealer. All of a sudden, he gets more popular because he has the harder drugs. He has, just, he has the stronger stuff. It's insane. It's just, it's so insidious. I can't even explain. But the, the amount, the numbers of families that, that I've been contacted by in just sheer shambles and heartbreak. Well, let me ask you about that, because I know you're doing that, and I want to ask you a question. Have you been able to help families and kids get back on track, get into rehab, get the help they need? Because I know you have. Yeah, so so a couple of things on that note. I went to CPAC um, last year, and I spoke, and they were very nice. This is typical, not a typical CPAC speech, but when I came off. It was wildly, it was packed out. People came up to me afterwards. I was mobbed in, in the hallway, and it was young people. It was young people saying, my friend died, or my brother died, or I've been clean for five months, but I'm scared. This is, this 
opioids are touching young people at an alarming rate. We older people don't realize how common and how commonplace they are. So we got to really keep our eyes open. And they say we need to talk about it more. So there's help there. But I had a lady pull me aside um, just a couple of months ago. And she said, look, I didn't know what to do. I saw your video at the White House on whitehouse.gov. And it was compelling. Um, So I decided to, to sit down with my 12-year-old daughter. And she said, I don't think she was going to understand what was going on. But after the, after the video, it's only about three minutes, she said we, they had a discussion about it. And her daughter was well aware of opioids and what was going on. And, and she felt so thankful that, that she had the opportunity to talk to her daughter about it before she ended up, you know, in, in, in this horrible club that so many people are, are but, part but, of. But the problem is, let's be very honest. I mean, when I was young, and look, I mean... I was out every Friday, Saturday night washing dishes when I was 12 and drinking St. Pauli girls and riding, you know, uh, flying home on my my bicycle. And I just and I, I found I worked that life throughout my young years. It was just a very different time and place, you know, but kids are prone to make stupid decisions when they're young. You know, boys in particular, their brains aren't fully formed, we're told, to the 25. And one bad decision, one bad choice, one what would otherwise be a a normal, quote, mistake, and these kids end up the first time dead. I mean, remember Len Bias years ago, Mm -hmm. the greatest basketball prospect ever. One time he used cocaine and he died. Once. Well, this is far, yes, it's all true, Sean. The world is different. But what's happened is they've... They've really upped the ante with, with, with the strength of the opioids. It's the fentanyl you pointed out earlier. It's, it's literally used med- medicinally f- as a last uh, pain relief for cancer victims who are in massive pain and, and have, no, have no hope of surviving. And that's what it's for. And, and like I said, there's only a couple of grains. The weight of just a couple of grains of salt can kill a, kill, kill a healthy man. Um, it doesn't take a lot uh, to do that. So, it, it, and here's the other problem. It's so little. You know, I, there was a bus. There's a fentanyl bus. It's the size of about a briefcase. It's just a regular size briefcase. And they said there's enough fentanyl in that thing to kill 30 million people. 30 million people in, in a suitcase size. The cops will do will go in and make a fentanyl bus and end up in, o- overdosing just by touching the stuff. They got to go in now with these two level two uh, two barriers of gloves just just to, to to pull the stuff out of a out of a drug bus. Now this stuff is so strong. I, don't, I honestly, Sean, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know the answer. But, but what let we me, do is we're going to try and find out. Let me uh, give information. Final thought here. How how to we'll put it up on our website. You just tell Linda how to put it up there. We'll put it up for you, and if, if that helps. Or if there's any place that people can watch it when it happens tomorrow live, just let me know. We'll put that up as well. We'll do anything we can do to help. Um, this is too important. This is non-political. This is all our kids. It doesn't matter what your politics are. It is in, they're targeting our kids, our small towns, our big cities, and they don't give a flying rip. If they no, live we, or need, die. we need to fight them too. We need to fight back, and this is like the first step of fighting back. We'll, we'll remove the stigma and fight back hard. But it'll be it'll be live uh, on it'll be tomorrow night on Sinclair stations, and then throughout the weekend and on all our websites. That's that's a place you can see it throughout the next two or three right. days. But the first lady will spend the better part of. 30 minutes with me talking one-on-one and boy i am just looking forward to that opportunity as well all right thanks so much eric bowling we'll put it on hannity.com thank you so much for what you're doing and uh it's honestly lives are going to be saved because of your commitment and uh thanks for doing that for everybody we appreciate it couldn't do it without you sean all right my friend god bless you always uh 800-941-SEAN toll-free telephone number you want to be a part of the program quick break uh right back we'll continue we got a great hannity tonight at nine tell you about that in a second 
All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Um, now, we're going to put that Eric Bowling event when it happens tomorrow on Hannity.com. Uh, tonight on Hannity, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen will join us. Also, Senator Lindsey Graham tonight. Uh, Joe DeGeneva, Sarah Carter will have the latest on the caravan and, of course, update you on the election results out of Mississippi. And Herman Cain, bunch more, 9 Eastern tonight. Hannity on Fox. We'll see you then and back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easier to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes, and then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's HenryUSA.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they have supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Now, Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. Now, he was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Now, Tunnel to Towers paid for Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, and that removed that financial burden from him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his very specific needs and injuries. And Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. They can only do it with your generosity. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity. Go to their website, commit to $11 a month, Go to the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.